Beloved brothers and sisters, would you please stand? And uh, we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 2. This morning, 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. I'll be really focusing in on verses 5 and 9 today. But I want us to get the whole uh, section for context. So 1 Peter 2, 1 through 10. Here, receive the word of the Lord in faith. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, and envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to Him as to a living stone, Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, He is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who once had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This is the good word of the Lord. May He bless it to us. Let's pray. Father, take this word and apply it deep into our hearts. May our hearts be good soil to receive it and may it bear good fruit within us. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, brethren. Well, as I said, I'm just this one week wanting to take a step away. As, as we're going to be moving over the coming weeks, as I, you, uh, we prayed earlier, there will be more to come here in the next couple of days. We are going to be setting a date uh, for, a, uh, I think, a Saturday prayer meeting. Again, not obligatory, but whether at home or whether here whatever, just to, just to get us praying for the work of outreach, um, both in our vocations and where the Lord has called us, in our homes, in our workplaces, to our neighborhoods, uh, praying that the Lord will continue to raise up uh, prayers, uh, those praying as well as the prayers of those praying with confidence, faith, and authority, standing with us and us standing in His name and then going forth um, and putting some feet uh, intangible witness on, on our prayers and trusting the Lord to bless those. All that being said, it's imperative, the reason I'm doing this is because it's imperative that we understand as, as we do this and we think in terms of outreach, this is a direct, uh, a direct fruit, a direct outworking of our calling and our identity as priests. Now, the doctrine of the priesthood of, of, of God's people uh, is something you know that goes all the way, obviously, back to Peter. Is right here. It was very much restored during the Reformation, on um, the idea that every believer in Christ is, in fact, called as part of the kingdom of priests. 
that that is part of your vocation, both uh, whether you're a clergy and a pastor, whether you're a mom, whether you're working uh, you know, in an auto shop or wherever you are, that you are called to ministry in your home. You're called to minister and represent Jesus in the marketplace and in your neighborhood. You, to quote Jesus as he put it, you are the light of the world. Right? You are. A city that is set on a hill, a holy city, the new Jerusalem, the, uh, the people of God that is set on a hill can't be hidden. How are travelers in the dark and the valleys below going to see it if, it if we don't let the light shine, if we cover it over? You are the salt of the earth. And as we talked about a couple of years ago and we went through, through, through that, you know, the salt is the idea there. Um, just as the light of the world, the light is to shine on the world, the point of the salt is that the salt was used in, in ancient times. It was essentially like fertilizer. You are the salt that gets plied to and scattered on the ground to prepare it, to fertilize it for good harvest so that the seed bears good fruit. So the salt is preparatory. It is preparing hearts to receive the good word of the gospel. That's what salt does. That's what you are. You are priests. You are kings to our God. And this is a reality in Christ who is our eternal great priest and king. We are called, uh, as we saw, he himself has made us kings and priests. We read in Revelation 5. It's in Revelation 1.6 also. So I just want us to focus our thoughts and our attention this morning on this reality that this is, in fact, who we are. This is, in fact, what we are and to consider some of the implications of that. We read earlier in Isaiah 61, I mentioned this in our Old Testament reading, that uh, Jesus is the eternal priest, uh, but that he has called us in 61 verse 6, Isaiah says that he has made us, as we said, priests, and he has called us and commanded us to enter into that very same work, setting captives free, letting prisoners loose, bringing light to those in darkness, and so on. So that's, that's our commission with Christ, and he has raised us up to that. I want us to consider, first of all, um, uh, really just to look at two things today. I'm going to call this priestly practice, number one. And in conjunction with priestly practice, then we'll call our priestly preparation, or maybe we could have said priestly prerequisites. I don't know. Uh, I like to alliterate, but it helps us remember things. But let's consider, first of all, our priestly practice. There's really two key aspects, and these are shown, in, again, in verse 5. In verse 9, verse 5, we are told that we are um, coming to Jesus as to the living stone. Remember, we told that chief cornerstone, elect and precious, uh, down in verse 6. Coming to Jesus as that living stone, the stone uh, that not only is the chief cornerstone, but that imparts life to all that comes in contact with. Coming to Jesus is the living stone, and he was rejected indeed by men, but he was chosen, chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones. You may remember years ago when I preached a sermon on this text, the, the phrase I used there was, you also, as, as it were, chips off the old block, right? That's what you are, brethren. Jesus is that living stone. He is the rock of ages. But you who are in Christ, but united with him by faith, you are chips off the block. You are, uh, you know, you have the Christ within you, the hope of glory, 
And your call, your commission, and your filling uh, is, is little version, but it's, it's part and parcel with what he is. You are living stones. And he says, as those living stones who are chips off the chief cornerstone, you are being built up. You're being fashioned into a spiritual house. So first of all, and he says, a, a holy priesthood. And the goal, he says, is that you would offer up, first of all, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let's consider, if you notice the language here in verse 5, he's basically saying, you, the church, the chosen of the Lord, you who are called and elect in Christ, right? Maybe to put it a different way, if you look back at the beginning of 1 Peter, he describes who these people are. They're pilgrims scattered throughout the Jewish Christians, specifically in this case, scattered throughout uh, the the nations around Jerusalem. But he says, verse 2, who are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. They are uh, in sanctification by the Spirit. And the reason is, he says, unto obedience, the obedience of faith and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So brethren, to you who are chosen of the Father... You are being sanctified by the work of His Spirit. And the goal, you are being brought to obedience of faith, trusting and obedience, fruitfulness, and through the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. That's who He's talking to. You are a living stones. You are a spiritual house. You are the temple of the living God in which He has come to dwell, individually and corporately. Now, you notice these images here. He gives us three images that are all part of the temple idea. Number one, again, is that the temple and the tabernacle, the saints are the temple, right? There's, there's no longer a temple. The, ta- the temple of Solomon, the temple of Herod is no longer standing there in Jerusalem. Jesus says that now you who are in Christ, you have become the habitation of the Lord. You are being built up in his temple now, the, the, the people of God, wherever we are, whether in Jerusalem or Asia or Illinois, brethren, where the saints of the Lord are, there is the habitation of God among men. There is the, where God's throne is among men. That is the way of access to the Lord is through His church, through His people. We are priests over that. We are the temple. But furthermore, he says that we are the priesthood. Not only are we the temple itself, but the church is also the priesthood, ministering in the temple, right? What did priests do? Remember the priest would, when people would come, they'd come, they would come and they would bring their sacrifices to draw near to the Lord. And in the outer court, they would, the priest would offer up, they would, uh, you know, they lay the hands, they'd prepare the, the sin and trespass offerings as atonement. Uh, uh, to deal with the guilt of conscience of the sin. They would prepare the burnt offering of consecration, the peace offerings of fellowship with God, whereby the, the worshiper would have a meal of fellowship with the Lord. These are the things we do on the Lord's Day, right? Again, the way into the presence of God through His church, through His people, um, that priestly, and then they would minister in the inner the holy place, before the veil in the Old Covenant. And what was there? Do you remember? There was the lampstand with the light. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. I am the light of the world, he says. You are too. Brethren, as we 
bask in the light of the world of Jesus, beholding as in a mirror, 2 Corinthians 3.18, the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ in our worship, in our communion, in our fellowship, seeing the work and the power, the glory, the beauty of Jesus on display among his people and his word. Brethren, what happens is we are walking in the light as he is in the light, having fellowship with one another. Blood of Jesus is continually cleansing us from all sin. And you know what it's doing? It's making us light. It's Jesus actually, his light. We leave and we go forth. And you know what? Just like Moses, when he came down from the mountain, his face shone because he had seen the Lord. Brethren, you and I go forth, but it's the glory not of a passing covenant that needs to be hidden behind a veil. Brethren, like Second Corinthians says, it's the glory of a new covenant. The veil is lifted off. You are the light of the world because you, you worship and you live and dwell regularly in the light, in the inner place, and you eat of the bread of life. That was the other thing in the holy place. The bread of life was there. We come week after week. We come in fellowship to partake of the bread of life. The bread that one who eats of it will never, uh, you know, not hunger spiritually again. We drink of those living waters that flow from the throne that satisfy us more deeply than anything uh, that you can drink at home or anywhere else. Right? And having been satisfied and nourished with this bread and with this living waters, we go forth deeply satiated we're thankful to the lord that we are that we are that he has filled us that he has given us good things and we have something then to present to the lord to share his bread to call people to come in you see it that's part of our priestly calling as priests to dwell in the holy place to dwell in the temple and tabernacle of the lord and minister there with our prayers as well our incense and prayers father we live and dwell in the tabernacle of the lord in his presence and to offer spiritual sacrifices. Again, as I've mentioned, uh, the, the saints, we, week after week, the way, even the way our order of worship is structured, right? We come before the Lord acknowledging sin for ourselves, as well as not only for ourselves, but praying for other sinners, right? That the Lord would have mercy on their sins, forgive them, that he would wash them as part of our priestly calling, And we pray for the consecration of ourselves as well as for the church broadly as we did today. Lord, would you consecrate like that burnt offering that your church would be wholly consecrated, Lord, to you. Fill us with your spirit. May we be caught up in your calling and your glory and purpose. And we have a peace meal, a fellowship, a table of the Lord that's open to all who believe and trust in the Lord to come and taste and see that the Lord is good freely and that his banquet table is wide and liberally furnished for all who will come in faith. Brethren, we do these things, and this is all part of our priestly worship, spiritual sacrifices to his name. Turn to Hebrews 13, verse 15 to 16 real quick, if you would. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 to 16. We are told there... These are two passages I love. There's some Old Testament references as well, Psalm like 139 that talks about the sacrifice of God or uh, the sacrifices of God are a humble and contrite spirit. Uh, Psalm 51, these, O God, you will not despise. God wants humble and contrite spirits, spiritual sacrifices. But Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16, 
um, actually gives us some, some marvelous context. Actually, I'll read just a little before there because it gives it's all set in the priestly context. Let me read Hebrews 13, verse 10 and following. We have an altar. So there's what priests, the priests ministered an altar. We have an altar from which those who serve in the, the tabernacle, that was the, the tabernacle that was still standing at that time, those priests of the Aaronic priesthood, uh, the Levitical priesthood who serve in the tabernacle, they don't have any right to eat of this. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, they're burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, which cleanses far more than like bulls and goats can ever can, the conscience. Jesus suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city. Here, here in Jerusalem, this Jerusalem, we have no continuing city on this earth, but we seek the one to come, the new Jerusalem. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices... God is well pleased. So brethren, the sacrifices, he says here in verse 5, through him offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, brethren. This really comes down to these. It's our praises, our glad, glorious praise of our lips, extolling the excellence, the goodness, the works of God. That's what we do here on the Lord's Day, right? sacrifice of praise it's also the sacrifice of prayer again that incense of our supplications prayers intercessions giving of thanks for all men it's proclamation and teaching of the word of god here among the saints in god's house declaring the truth of his word the glories of god and of his covenant but Paul, I mean, Peter also speaks in verse 9, though, of another kind of priesthood. Not only of the holy priesthood, the priesthood, the idea of serving and dwelling in the tabernacle, living close to the Lord, but he also talks about a royal priesthood. Look at verse 9, because this is an important contrast. He says in verse 9, he says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Whereas the holy priesthood and the royal priesthood are one and the same, but the emphasis is on the holy is the idea of the, of the dwelling in and near in the Lord in his tabernacle. The sort of things we'll do every Lord's day as we draw near and ascend his holy hill. Anytime where the saints gather, not only in the Lord's day, but in their homes, uh, you know, small groups, whatever, the Lord says where two or three are gathered, I'm there in their presence. It's a holy tabernacle. It's a place of worship. And it's a gathering in as the holy priesthood. But brethren, then we leave here. And when we're done, we're going to be functioning in our capacity as a royal priesthood in the service of our king in the world out there. How does the priesthood function outside of the tabernacle to bring people into the tabernacle? That's the question. We are a representative ruling. That's what royal means, priesthood. Priestly mediatorial service to men... Among men. So the holy priesthood is service to God in God's presence in God's house among God's people. The royal priesthood has the idea of service in God's name as priest to men dwelling among men. You see the difference? It's being a priest out there. 
representing God outside of his house, in his land, in the kingdom of God that is Jesus by his rights that he has purchased and is, and is his inheritance and the inheritance of the saints. Taking the light of God that we partake of in his house and taking it out to offer the bread of life freely to those who will receive it. You know, sometimes people will say, you know, boy, you know, when we talk to sinners, the first thing we should do is just command, repent, turn. Now, there's a place for that. But brethren, I want to remind you when Jesus, Jesus was not the least bit above when sinners who needed to be saved, what did Jesus do? He starts doing miracles and he says, you got bread. I'm going to, I'm going to feed a whole lot of you. I'm going to feed 5,000 of you. And then I'm going to tell you about how I am actually the bread of life and how satisfying I am. Jesus loves to satisfy sinners on his greatness and goodness. He loves when sinners can taste and see that God is good because they feast on Him. And they see His light in their dark places. Those who dwelled in darkness have seen a great light, right? as, as, as uh, Isaiah 53 says. They see it in the light of the world. They see it through His people. So brethren, we take the light of God that we get on the Lord's day. We take the, the, the food of God. We take the prayers that we pray to God in His house on the Lord's day and we take those as it were, we take it to the streets. We take our priesthood to the streets to display God's virtue, His glory, and to draw outsiders near to God's presence through the atonement and the discipleship of Jesus. Brethren, do you see your workplace as you being a minister in the marketplace? Do you see yourself as God's uh, chosen one there, put wherever he's put you, to be the aroma of Christ among those there, to be the light of the world? Brethren, that's what we are as priests, to pray for them, over them, when you have coworkers who are struggling to say, hey, can I pray for you in Jesus' name? They may not believe in it. <laughs> they may say, I don't believe in your Jesus. It doesn't matter. I believe in my Jesus. And he's able to do things for you whether you believe him or not. And he's able to show you his reality and power. So yes, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to seek to bless you. And I'm going to bring good tidings to you. And I'm going to, and I'm going to seek to do good to you, good works in Jesus' name to show you the goodness that by our good works they may come to glorify our Father in heaven as they see our light. And I'm going to take the opportunity to speak the word of truth with kindness to you, to tell you of the Savior that I know and of the light of the world that I have come to see and of this bread and this living water that, like the woman at the well, satisfies so much more deeply than that junk you're drinking right now. Brethren, that's, that's our calling, being priests outside, royal priests, a kingdom of priests. That's the idea. We represent God before men. We are, as he says, a chosen generation here. The idea here is that in verse 9, we are an elect race. Literally, the chosen, the idea of generation, the Greek word behind that has the idea of race. Uh, we are the chosen family, uh, the, the chosen family, the race of Abraham, right? Selected from out of all the families of the earth. This was promised to Abraham. I will give you people from all the families of the earth will be blessed in you. 
And so from the family of Abraham after the flesh, these Jewish people to whom, these Jewish Christians to whom Peter is writing here, right, upon the dispersion, what he's saying to them essentially is this. You Jewish Christians, you are, yes, maybe after Abraham, after the flesh, you are. You were selected by God, though, not to be a physical family of Abraham, but a new family, the new race of Abraham, promised Abraham through the gospel. You're not just individuals selected one by one. You are, but you're actually a new tribe. You are the family of God. You are brought in, and you've become true children of Abraham based on faith in the God of Abraham and a shared righteousness by faith with Abraham. Romans chapter 2, I remind you of this verse. Paul says this, He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, right? nor is the circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. He is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. You are a chosen race, he says, the people of Abraham according to faith. But he also says here not only that, but they're a holy nation. The idea of a nation focuses on the political and legal facet of their identity, whereas a chosen generation speaks of these Jewish believers as, as an elect family, a race of Abraham and fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. The holy nation focuses on them as their identity in relation to the law of God, the statutes and the ways of God, a nation that would be a righteous and holy kingdom of priests. Turn with me, would you, to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus 19. This is where Peter is drawing this language from. And he's applying it to these Christians. But I want to see the import of this. Remember, this is when Israel comes to Mount Sinai here in Exodus 19. I get to the bottom of the mountain, verse 3, Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. So how he saved them out of Egypt and how I bore you up on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, and keep my covenant by faith, right? Always by faith. If you'll obey me by faith, keep my covenant by faith, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Brethren, what Peter is doing here is he is saying to these Jewish Christians, this kingdom of priests, he's saying, what Moses said of them, that is true of you. You are going to be those, you are those who will keep his covenant. You will hear, trust, and obey his voice. Keep his covenant by faith. You will strive to do what is pleasing in his sight by faith. And he has made you his holy kingdom of priests in the world to represent him and to rule in his stead in the earth. You are his special people. You are the true Jews indeed. Praise God. That's a marvelous thing to go forth and to be his people in the world and to carry the light of the world. So that the world, I won't have you turn there, but Deuteronomy 4 in verses 5 through 8, Moses says there that if they would be faithful and walk in the light and keep God's statutes, he says that you will be the light to the nations. And they will come and say, what other nation is there among the nations that has a God like yours? 
and that has holy and righteous statutes and laws like yours, like your God. Brethren, that's what it means to be a royal priesthood. We are his nation in the midst of the nations. So with concluding then, what does it mean, you notice in verse 9, when he says that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his glorious light. I want to focus on that, and this is the idea of, of, of the applications of our priesthood. Second, number one, as I said, priests dwell with God for God. We dwell with men for men in God's name. But this means that this idea of our royal priesthood then has the idea, first of all, that we publicly and in the public square, we praise and we draw attention to the virtues, literally that Greek word there, that we may proclaim the praises. The word praises there actually is a word that's only used a couple times in the New Testament. It has to do with the idea of the moral virtue and excellence of God. So as you go to your work this week, we say, Steve, what should I do with this on Monday? Here's what you should do on Monday, brethren. Wherever the Lord sends you, prayerfully be looking. Say, Lord, give me opportunity by my works and my works to show the excellence, the excellence of God, the excellence of the virtue and of the character of the goodness of God by the way I live. I want people to see that in me. So you're a Christian. Oh, yeah. And the God I worship is one who fills me with joy, with hope, he satisfies my deepest longings. He has redeemed me and is taking my life from dying unto death from, to living unto eternal life. Oh yeah, I've got hope. Give a reason for the hope that's in you. It involves proclamation of God's word, you know, speaking the word of God wherever you have able, blessing, telling people God's truth. It involves the prophetic voice of the church to the magistrates. It just means taking the church into the world by any means we can. Maybe it's hospitality, having neighbors over and just saying, hey, let's just serve you some food. Let me, let me have you, serve you some rich and wonderful food, get to know you. Let's develop some friendships in, in the context of that. Uh, yeah, we're Christians. Let me tell you about the hope that's within us. Develop those friendships. But that's taking the church to the world, taking the blessings of God to the world. That's being a royal priesthood. It's gathering in prayer groups and lighthouses throughout the world where two or three are gathered in my name. Jesus says, I am with them. So not just here in this building on Sunday morning, but brethren, where two or three are gathered in their homes, whether we're all from resurrection or even maybe it's you and other believers from other homes, who knows, where you are gathered in his name, the Lord is there with you. That's a lighthouse praying for your neighborhoods, seeking to do good where you live, where we are. And you know what that's called, brethren? That's being a royal priesthood. You're taking the priestly context, taking it into the world. So, brethren, that's what the call is for you and I, is to embrace that as a congregation. And then lastly, very quickly, there's two quick prerequisites, and these are very simple. Um, I'm not going to have you turn there, uh, but from Exodus 28 and 29, the two key prerequisites for royal, holy, priestly work are really these. Number one, purity. Purity of conscience. Pure heart. All right? Again, think of what we saw in Psalm 51. What are the sacrifices of God? A pure heart, humble heart. These, O God, you will not despise. The Lord calls us to have purity of heart, and that comes, that clean conscience, that pure heart, uh, that wholly separating ourselves to the Lord's service. 
to cleanness and, and seeking His kingdom, His ways, His holiness and righteousness. Set apart to the Lord's use. That's the idea of holy. That comes by the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus objectively claimed and believed and in prayer gives us the right and authority to be priest and to intercede. Hebrews 9.22. I mean Hebrews 9.14. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, will he not therefore purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God as a priest? So the, the spirit of the Lord through the blood of Christ applied to us, he redeems us from dead works that have no share in the life of God, that have no blessing. And he brings us into connection with the eternal spirit and cleansing in the spirit so that we have a clean conscience. The blood of bulls and goats, brethren, could never do that. But Jesus' blood gives you an absolutely clean, 100% pure conscience. I am received because Jesus' blood is all my righteousness. And we're always going to proclaim that in this church. That's why Hebrews 10 says, coming to Him and drawing near through a new and living way that He has made through His blood. Right? The power in the blood, brothers and sisters, is not that Jesus had genetically modified blood. It's that his blood from a righteous lamb has cleansed the tabernacle so that we can draw near to the Lord. And that's the second and last thing, is not only the purity of conscience that we must have, separate to the Lord's use, separate from the, the corruption of the world, separation to the Lord's service, but then secondly, power. You know, when the, the priest in Exodus 29, Exodus 28, we read there about the priest would uh, come before the Lord in, the, in glory and beauty. And they would come in an ephod and the breastplate. Remember that? And in the turban, there was the priestly garb. They would come dressed in glory and beauty before the Lord, set apart and sanctified with holiness to the Lord across their forehead, with the names of the children of Israel uh, on the stones in prayer. That's the priestly guard. But then in, it's interesting in Exodus 29, he closes. And, and when Aaron and his sons are sanctified for that work, when they themselves are offering atonement for their own sins, right? First, to draw near to the Lord, they would have to sprinkle the blood on the altar for themselves. And they would sprinkle oil. But when they offered the second ram and they were then acting as mediators for others, it's interesting because Exodus 29 says not only did they sprinkle the blood on the altar and the oil of, of the Spirit on the altar, then they took and they <laughs> sprinkled it on themselves and they dipped their fingers and their ears covered in the blood. The idea is, brethren, is that they themselves were completely set apart. The blood was on them. The oil was on them. They themselves. So that they could effectually intercede and mediate for others. So here's the point, brethren. The oil is the spirit for you and I to be able to be effectual interceders, intercessors who the Lord will hear in our priestly role. For our prayers to be heard before the Lord, we need to be people, brethren, who are covered in the blood of Christ. Jesus' blood is all my righteousness and I am set apart to purity. Lord, if there's any impurity in me, anything that I am 
and with the things of the world and the flesh, the devil, that I am just taking lightly, that I am holding on to, that you want me to let go, Lord, I'm asking you to show me, and I'm going to take my hands off, and would you cleanse me of those things? I don't want impurity in my life. Secondly, the Spirit. Oh, God, the Spirit of Jesus, I need your Spirit to fill me. I'm asking you, Lord, for my priestly calling this day. Fill me with the Spirit of Christ so that I may be a vessel sanctified, set apart to you, and powerful in your name. Because, brethren, the power comes by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ in us and working through us. So there we have it, brethren. Tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, next Saturday, and so on, we're going to leave here, and we're going to go forth. And as you do whether you're in your homes or your workplace or wherever the Lord leads you, in the marketplace, you are a holy and a royal priesthood to the Lord. The Lord is calling you and I, day by day, appropriate the blood and the Spirit of Christ, the blood of Jesus for your clean conscience, to wash and purify your heart and clean your conscience. And day by day, Lord, fill me with your spirit. I want to be sprinkled with the oil of the spirit so that this day there will be power on my life. My words will be colored by the spirit, the wisdom and the discernment of the spirit. But Lord Jesus, help me today to embrace my calling to take the worship, the bread of life, the light of life, the the water of life, to take the things that we have done this day in the Lord's house and to go, and Lord, would you give me grace to where I can show other sinners the way to draw near to the Lord. And I can pray for them and over them and lead them to know the God I love. Brethren, that's what it means to be a holy and royal priesthood. Are we in? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, we are holy priesthood. We are royal priesthood. And our call as that chosen generation, as that holy nation, as your special people. Father, as living stones in the temple, our call is to be those that offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to you through Jesus and the Spirit. Sacrifices of praise and proclamation of your truth, prayer, and loving you of a humble and contrite spirit walking in independence on you and, and, and that we would go before the world and we would proclaim the praises, the virtues, the excellence of you who called us out of darkness into your temple, into your glorious light, showing them the way to come into through the blood of Christ, through the Spirit. Father, I pray for me especially, but I pray for my brethren. Lord, I pray that our sense of being priests and called to this work would be something that pervades us and, and directs us. That we won't go from here today and forget this afternoon and tomorrow who we are. Father, press this deep into us that we will remember this day I am a priest to the Lord. We are a kingdom of priests and that we will embrace and fulfill that calling by the power of Jesus, our great high priest and king who dwells in us and with us. So Father, do this for us, we pray. Shape us and mold us into an effectual, holy, and royal priestly people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters,